King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates and all the other provincial officers to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates and all the other provincial officers assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music you must fall down and worship the image of gold that king nebuchadnezzar has set up whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace therefore as soon as they heard the sound of the horn flute zither lyre harp and all kinds of music all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that king nebuchadnezzar had set up At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated and seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, Would there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out to the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. The Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can serve in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Well, what a joy it is to be with you coming over from Ireland. And a big thanks to those who've made it all the way over from Ireland. If you see some lonely leprechauns running around, make sure they feel at home, okay? And nice to be sharing with the Welsh as well. Isn't it great to see just what God has done in going to so many uh, different uh, parts of Europe and these islands? And thrilling. I was there on the very first beach mission with Lance Pibworth in Lyme Regis just to see the, the way that God has worked. And how thrilling, I don't know whether it's 369, 370 people here, but 350 people here who this summer were prepared to make a stand for God. I want to say amen and amen. Because what we're coming to this morning is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego I believe is one of the most inspiring and relevant records of history. Somebody well said they wouldn't budge, they wouldn't bow, and they wouldn't burn. I want to say this, it's rather than I give a a book plug, but I'm going to do so at the beginning because it shares the burden. We'll talk about different things, but it's a book called Prepare, Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture. I believe that everyone at the reunion should get this book and read it. And I believe in so doing so, I will have delivered my soul to the next generation. It's an amazing book. Uh, If it goes, we'll get other copies to you. But it, it, it summarizes the culture in which we're living. Billy Graham, now in his 90s, says this as he surveys time. Our society is caught up in a powerful windstorm that has already caused massive destruction with the full impact yet to come. Now, 91 years of age is older than that now. I believe the storm clouds are darker than they ever have been before. The pressure of suffering, both mental, moral, and physical, which authorities are inflicting upon Christians in different degrees, coming now in this country, on horrendous scales in other countries where Christians today will have gone to be with the Lord. Outside Belfast, uh, just a few months ago, there was another friend of mine called Daniel. There's been a trial going on in his life for two years. He and his wife Amy are absolutely delightful Christians. They're bakers in the Ashes Bakery, named after the Ashes in the Bible. And they were asked to make a cake with the caption on it that said, We support gay marriage. Before God, they honestly knew God's word, that God's word teaches that marriage goes right back to creation 
and is exclusively a union between one man and one woman. My friend Daniel, he got up with his wife Amy. They'd lost the first case in the county court. They'd ruled that they'd been discriminated against. And Daniel went down to the Court of Appeal and as I came into the Royal Courts of Justice to do my work, this godly couple, and if you ever want to see the graciousness and yet firmness, just go on and clip on uh, on their interviews. And this is what Amy said. As they've been through their two years and pray, the Court of Appeal decision is coming soon. Amy said this, being taken to court for a faith has been a difficult experience and some people might wonder if it's worth it. Speaking of her two young children, Robin and Ellie, she said, our children are too young to understand now what's going on with all this here. But when they do, we want them to know, listen to this, our God is worth making a stand for. Our God is worth making a stand for. We're still trusting in a good and a perfect in his purposes. Silmain Bohan, an Algerian Christian, on the 6th of August was convicted of blasphemy against Islam and his prophet. He was fined heavily, sentenced to five years imprisonment. On the 30th of August, this year, he appealed. The verdict was announced. The conviction was affirmed. His sentence of imprisonment was reduced to three years. An appeal is going to the Supreme Court. The others have been taken out, beheaded, shot, and so on. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 4. Mark this, that there will be terrible days in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, treacherous, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Many years ago, there was an elderly guy called Athanasius. And they said, Athanasius, the world is against you. And Athanasius said this, if the world is against Athanasius, Athanasius is against the world. Are these problems new that we're facing? No. Is there hope? Yes. Are there rewards for standing for Christ? Yes. As General Bruce said, out of this world, out of this world. There are fantastic rewards. And in the transition that we did in that great talk by Jason this morning from Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God, but it seemed that 20 years had come. And it was a, and you would have thought, how could they have not, he, he not remembered? But there they stood for God. Now I want you to notice, first of all, the forces that they face, the forces that they face. Because they were up against some incredible opposition. Daniel had, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had no long, uh, didn't know how long his empire would last. And whether out of pride or whatever it is, he began to erect this statue. And they wanted people to bow down and worship the statue. He made an image of gold whose height was uh, uh, 60 cubits and width 6 cubits. In other words, it was 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. A ratio of 10 to 1. The average person is 5 to 1, okay, in ratio. It was an extremely elongated, tall, and thin image. The word worship comes 11 times. We want you to bow down and worship. And when you come together of a, of a religious and political dynasty, whether in North Korea, they may not put the religion, but in essence that's what it is. 
it can be a very dangerous time, even as the Christians faced in, uh, under the reign of Caesar. It was a, an incredible sight as they looked over Jura and they saw this imposing statue. But next there was a summons that they were called there. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded. As soon as you hear the music, you are to bow down and anyone who doesn't will be thrown into the fiery uh, uh, furnace. Now you note this, that there was no RSVP from Nebuchadnezzar, you know. He said, look, if you're going to come, just let me know. If you were summoned, you came. If you were summoned, you came. There was an intolerance. And I believe, I want to thank the local councils who, in the true spirit of diversity, and what that word actually means, have given us permission to be on the beaches. I want to commend them. May God bless every council who's done it. But sometimes, in certain places, there can be a movement from tolerance to intolerance. And this is what was happening uh, here in relation to all of these, uh, these people. They were becoming intolerant. And they were made to stand uh, and to worship these different people. There's a diabolical purpose, doesn't it? It says in the book of the Revelation 13, verses 7 to 8, when the beast will finally arrive, an antichrist, whoever does not fall down and worship, whoever does not fall down and, uh, and worship, and there are tremendous things that we, uh, that we face. But secondly, I want you to notice this. The faith that they followed, it was settled, it was strong, and it was steadfast. It was settled, it was strong, and it was steadfast. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not want to serve my gods or worship the image of gold as I have set? And when you hear the music, I want you to bow down and worship. And then he said, you can hear the sneer coming in his voice. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? They could have said, you watch out, Nebuchadnezzar, what's coming down the line. But they didn't, as we'll see. They gave a very wise answer. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? Do you know, Nebuchadnezzar, in one sense, had respect. We don't know where Daniel was at this point, but for those three people, he, he somehow knew that these guys, and he gave them the second chance to take a stand and to back down and to recant and worship the idol. There's a majestic statue commemorating the reformers who died for Christ, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, and Thomas Cranmer. Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, was forced to watch Latimer and Ridley be burned at the stake on October the 16th, 1555. As the fires were lit, Latimer cried out, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall light such a candle as by God's grace in England, I trust, will never be put out. His friend's courage impressed Cramner, but his fear of likewise being burned at the stake led him to sign a bill of recantation which effectively saved his life, but he denied Christ. But as God began to work in this godly archbishops, and sometimes leaders have to take a stand for truth and for righteousness. He said, enough is enough. In other words, I'm putting, the, I, I'm putting my cross down. I'm going to follow Jesus. Distraught. He went back and recanted his recantation. He was led to the stake. He held out his hand and he signed the Bill of Right recantation. He suffered martyrdom on the 21st of March, 
1556. But for these guys, there was no second. I can think of times when I've I, I come home and I've said to Helen, Helen, I fluffed it today at work. And sometimes I had to go back and say, you know that question you asked me? Let me give you a better answer. Now what kept them, uh, these men in this amazing way? First of all, there was conviction. They knew the commandment, a unique part of the Bible written with the very finger of God. The finger of God is an amazing thing, isn't it? Written the Bible and engraved upon those tablets of stone were these words. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall bow down. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Engraved as part of the DNA of the Jewish believer was no other gods, no other gods, the holy triune God who put on the tablets of stone, who expressed his holiness as the mountains quaked, said this, there is one God. He is a holy God. And there is no other idol that you should worship. How do you know people's idols? When they came down, they cast, didn't they, the, the calf of gold. How dreadful it, it was. And now there was another man, and he was putting up an image, and he said, bow down and worship me. Wasn't it challenging? The dearest idol I have known, what I that idol be? Help me to tear it from my throne and worship only thee. Idols are times when we value things that we spend money on, that we spend our time on. Somebody said, I'm so busy, I can't make the prayer meeting. The idol of work, many a person has sacrificed their life upon the altar of academic ambition and don't, we need to use our minds as many are doing for God. Or it can be just taking on too much and that busyness becomes the idol instead of a loving relationship with God. Thou shalt not is there for a reason. But next, there was courage. Listen to this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replies, and King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to, do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver it, and he will deliver it. Uh, to us from your hand. But listen to this, this is great. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, and the respectful, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Do you know what these guys had? They had a greater fear of God than a fear of man. Was it C.T. Stubb penned these words? Stand up, stand up for Jesus. I love to sing when in a crowd, but when I'm standing on my own, I don't sing half so loud. <laughs> and these guys, they stood, they had a fear of God. A number of years ago, um, when the southern trains really did work, and uh, they, there was a, a guy who was collecting the tickets, and people were showing the tickets. It was a wet and miserable day. And uh, one guy said to the other, he said, you're not having a very, very good uh, time down here today. And people were complaining about him. And he said, well, that's probably true, he said, but I know I'm not very popular at the moment, but he said, you see that guy up there, he said, he's my boss. And he said, I may not be very popular down there, but he said, I tell you what, I'm very popular up there. I was at a funeral, came over to England for a funeral, an uncle of mine who passed away. And I sit next to this guy, he said, I'm a Christian. I said, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> And he said, we got to talk. He said, you know, when I became a Christian, 50,000 people cheered. 
I said, didn't I hear you right? 50,000. He said, yeah, my wife had witnessed to me. I came under conviction. He said, it was one Saturday afternoon. I got down on my knees. I confessed my sin and I thanked Jesus for dying on the cross for me and asked him to forgive me. And at that moment, when they were watching the football on the TV downstairs, when a goal was scored that Wimbledon were meant to get a penalty and the, and the goalkeeper scored, 50,000 people cheered. I said, that's amazing. I said, do you know there was an even bigger cheer in heaven because it says there is a rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and comes home. And I want to say this, keep your eye on the eternal. Keep your eye on the eternal. I had the privilege of visiting the Times Square Church in New York. And Pastor Cartier there, who's the pastor there, gives very challenging messages. But he was saying how when he was in the New York police and he was in the NYPD and he made a witness for Christ, one day his boss drew him in and he said, now let's get this absolutely clear, Carter. The New York police is not an evangelistic organization. You're to get on with your job and you're not to witness. And he was really angry and he went on for about five minutes, really furious. And he said, do you have anything to say? And you know what Carter Connor said? He said, yes, boss, you need God. (laughs) Do you know, the conversation changed. That guy had all sorts of problems. And he did it in his tech way. Next day, he was out on community, a few weeks later, he was out on community service. And he was talking about the values of the NYPD. And a lovely black person stood up and said, uh, Counselor, I, 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 I think you're trying to say some. You want to say something else to us, but you don't really feel that you can say it. And he said, "Well, there is something I'd like to say, but I'm not really allowed to say it. But I tell you what," he said, "If we have a vote," he said, "If you'd like to hear what I've got to say, I might be able to do it." He said, "Who'd like to hear what I had to say?" All the hands went up, and he shared the Christian values, okay, of justice, okay, and different things. Now, what I'm saying is this. There comes a time of courage. There comes a time of of, of courage. And do you know what they said this? They said, look, you can throw us into the fire. Our God is able to deliver us. I had a friend called Alan Cain who was running for office. His leader said to him, he said, don't worry. He said, Cain is able. Cain is able. But I want to say this. God is able. God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, We're still going to serve him anyway. In that great gallery of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, became valiant in battle, turned turned to fight the armies of the aliens. You say, wow, that's great. God delivered them. But look what it says this. Others were tortured, accepting deliverance so they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging. Moreover, of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted and were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Listen to this. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. God has a different value system. God always rewards faith, but he doesn't always step in and perform miracles, even though those guys have an A-plus in their their faith for God. And those uh, people who suffered had a faith for God as well. But next I want you to notice they were courteous. Now you can go right through the book of Daniel, and as I say, do look online just to see the way the ashes are standing for Christ. They reckon there were 300,000 people who bowed down all but three. 
You stand out in a crowd like that. <laughs> I remember when my daughter was in, in Tyria, and she square, and they all bowed to worship towards Mecca, but she stood with her friends in a very, very minor way, her little uh, Daniel moment. I want us to pray for Professor Steve Taylor and Professor Andy McIntosh, for Stuart Burgess, for the John Lennoxes of this world, who are prepared to go into a culture shift, read that book, okay, and being prepared, you'll understand enormously what their amazing ministry is about. Because they're, they're seeking to lay down as a God, as a, a creator, who loves us in an, in an amazing way. And, you know, I went to hear John Lennox on a delightful seminar, great book, Gunning for God. But he spoke on personal witnessing. I was just interested to see how he did it. He said, my wife sends me out with a Gideon New Testament every week to give away. I know that Andy and Steve, that they live it out. And they haven't asked me to say this. I'm just saying it. <laughs> okay. But that we need to be those who are right in the forefront, okay, of the culture battle and the biblical battle. But next, I want you to notice the fury that they faced. You see, the world ultimately is not neutral. They said this, Your Majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar was summoned. And so the men were brought before the king. And ultimately, even after the second chance, they went. Now look very simply. Everybody was doing it. They were worshipping the image. Eight different officers are mentioned in relation to the strata of society that was joined together. There was government and forces, as we see regulations coming in that seek to silence the voice uh, of Christians. And there was a diabolical, I believe, action behind it. But then we come to this amazing thing, because they came to their faith in the fire. In the flames, the king commanded was so urgent, it was was heated up seven times, probably the very furnace that had made the the metal and... uh, And as they they were being thrown in, even the soldiers were killed by the the blaze as it fried their skin as as they were going in. The furnace was so hot, not even the soldiers could get close. And as Nebuchadnezzar peers into that blazing furnace, that oven, he says this, Do I not see four men? Were there not only three that were in there? He said, do I not see four men? And he couldn't understand all of this as a pagan king, but he said, it wasn't like the son of man who was... He said, and they are not hurt. And from the fourth is like the sons of the God or the son of God. Many Bible commentators believe that to be a wonderful theophany, in other words, an appearance of Jesus in the New Testament. And he said this, I see one. I see one like the Son of God. Let me just say this, when our world is rot, when we face the persecution, when we face the temptation, it's a wonderful thing to know this, that God stands with us. When the news broke of a 23-year-old beach missioner who was murdered in the troubles, and I was one of the coffin bearers who took his remains to the ground, God was faithful. As you, some of us have gone into countries where Christians have been persecuted. I went to an amazing conference in Egypt, way out in, in the desert. Met some of the beautiful Libyan believers. And yet some of the Egyptians later were taken out. And they were made to kneel. And Christians who confessed the name of Jesus were beheaded. And yet there was a peace, there was a tranquility. Like 
Stephen, who said this as he was facing martyrdom, he saw the Lord Jesus standing at the right hand. Christ will be with us. Christ will be with us. And well does the book of Isaiah say this. When you pass, fear not, I have redeemed you. For when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of, uh, uh, of Israel, our Savior. Our Savior. And the amazing thing is, the only thing that was burnt was the cords. And they came out. And not only was there an astonishment, there was an acknowledgement of God. Not they couldn't even smell the fire. Now, as we finish this morning, what are the lessons that we can learn in relation to the amazing astonishment and acknowledgement? There is no God like you, no God like you, who delivers. Do you know what? There's nothing like the gospel. It forgives a person for their past. It, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives them strength for the day and gives them an amazing hope for tomorrow. Now, here are the lessons. Okay. While we have freedom, seize the day. While we have freedom, seize the day. We say to non-Christians, this may be your final mission. Beach missioners, prayer supporters, I want to say this. This year may have been your final mission. For some of us. And we never know the day. The day will come when I will no longer be on Bally Bunyan Beach on the tug of war saying, we need more boys, we need more girls. The time will come when I don't know how long God calls me. Dad, the fact one of the founder members took, went home to be with the Lord at the age of 69. I'm 62 now. But there will come a time when it will be my final mission. It will be my final mission. And I want to say this. Don't say, oh, well, maybe I can give it a miss next year. You know, I have plenty of time to catch up. And there's a, there's a, a mission coming up in the university. And what really do I have to tell that friend? Now, I'm saying there's a balance of what I'm saying. God is sovereign. But I want to say this. Seize the freedom. We have amazing opportunities in Portugal. The doors are still open for us in England. In Ireland, we don't even need council permission. They're so kind in the way that they welcome us. Seize the day. While the, uh, uh, while the days uh, are open. Next, know your Bible. You see, when they came, there were certain lines when they said, there is no go areas. Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there is no light in. Get hold of Gerard's gospel on Mark. Get hold of those great Bible studies that are up there. Renounce self. Do you know there comes a time when I die to self? When I go down to the streets and maybe some of the QCs and my colleagues come down and see me and Stephen Wright dies to his reputation. And we need to say with God's help, we want to live for him. We need to prepare ourselves. Now we know God says he'll give us the answer, but it was obvious when Daniel, these men stood and Stephen stood, they'd done the homework. Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Listen, he said, Beloved, do not think it strange, the fiery trials which are to try you, though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice in the extent that you are partakers in Christ's suffering. Next, know that God is working his purposes out. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes. But next, be blessed. Bless those who persecute you. Jesus said, bless those who persecute you and do not uh, curse them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. And you yourself will be blessed. People think this. 
in relation to things that I'm blessed that God has given me material things and we have a lot to thank God for. But we need to know this, that standing for Christ brings great rewards. Blessed are you. This is real blessing, okay? When they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Now we're not saved by works. We're saved by the finished work of Jesus and his forgiveness that he offers of full grace. But in terms of standing in the assessment of our work, we will not be the loser. We will not be the loser because God has promised to really bless us in an incredible way. When through the fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Friends, get hold of that book, prepare. But I want to say this, we need to be prepared spiritually. And when we come to a place where we say, Lord, you know my failures, you know my inconsistency. But Lord, as the pressure comes on, maybe I'm the only Christian in, in a class, in a school of a thousand like I was in Leeds. And we're just saying, oh God, take me. Oh God, so fill me with your Holy Spirit that I have boldness to speak for Jesus. Holy boldness. Courteous boldness. But to take a stand for Jesus. And I just want us to bow in a moment's prayer before we sing our final hymn. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these inspiring examples. We thank you that you are building your church in the gates of hell and not prevailing against it. Lord, if we're in a university and a school and no one knows that we're a Christian and we've never fully explained the gospel, Lord, we want to say this. We want to die to self. We want to let people know about Jesus. And in the right way, Lord, help us to be gracious and courteous. We thank you, Lord, for so many who support us. And we pray, Lord, that you may stop the drift of intolerance and that you may do a work of revival. But we know, Heavenly Father, that where you work, your gospel is growing. In these persecuted countries, we pray for believers in prison at this very moment that they may know your strength and your help. Oh, Lord, help us to trust one the God who is able and the God who delivers.